0: All right, NRD, welcome to the Cold Stove podcast presented by Wash Media, a hockey podcast that is going to take you around the league, break some news, make some headlines, why not? NRD, what's going on, my man?
1: What is up, Brett? Excited to be doing this. Really happy to get this podcast out to everybody. Cold Stove pod presented by Wash Media. Can't thank you guys enough for getting the opportunity to do this. Let's break some scoops. Let's do it.
0: Dude, what's so... A long time coming. Not only on my end. I love hockey, but on your end. What's, uh... When when did you decide that this is the fit?
1: You know, we did some we did some live shows this off season. The NHL trade melt, you may the be, NHL free agency live.
0: You say that you may be familiar with the trade melt, if you're the uh, trade melt. Our big
1: uh, <laughs> our big pilot program for this for this show here, Cold Stove, uh, the Cold Stove Podcast. Yeah, no, just the right fit, the right timing. Everybody and their mother's got a hockey podcast at this point, but you know that doesn't matter to me. We're gonna do it great. We're gonna be better than everybody else, and that's kind of what we're shooting for. Amen. Think. Uh, Think another, it's the last time I'll drop the name of this pod on our show, no free ads, but think 32 thoughts but better. That's what we're going to do here, and that's what we're going to strive to be. So hopefully you guys kick it with us for the long haul.
0: The Freedman to my Merrick. Let's get get into it. First, though, follow Cold Stove Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Stove Pod. Shoot us questions, shoot us topics that we need to cover um, while we do this thing. We'll try to get to a lot of them. I have a segment in today's show. I don't know if we'll get to it. Uh, in involves some user-generated topics that we can, we can touch on, so we'll see where we're at time-wise. But looking forward to this. Also need you guys to subscribe. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes, ideally five stars. Leave a review. Tell a friend about the podcast. That's how we're going to uh, get on the charts, stay on the charts. And uh, you guys are the reason that we can. So we're excited for that. NRD, before we get going, where can the people find you?
1: Find me at, at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. I am at- where we're kicking it right now. Website to, <laughs> website to be coming again soon. Let's get this podcast up and running first before we worry about that. But right now, at NHL, actually at NHL Rumors Daily, my bad. But yeah, find me over on Twitter there, Breaking Scoops. We're going to continue it over here, and it's going to be a fun time.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. I am at schmerriman And let's go. We got to talk, as every podcast has to talk. Jack Eichel. NRD, what is the latest on the Jack Eichel front?
1: So here's the latest on the Jack Eichel front, to my understanding. So we know that a report came out this morning as of recording this podcast that Pat Brisson is not allowed to broker trades between teams, but he's allowed to reach out on behalf of his client and gauge interest. We know he's not going to be short on finding interest around the league. We already know about five or six teams that have been expressing that interest going way back to the offseason and even before that to the trade deadline last year. We know that Anaheim's squarely in the middle of this. They're probably the favorite at this point. Calgary as well I don't know how Jack feels about going to Calgary but he really has no say at this point until uh, July 1st 2022 so that might be a moot point Minnesota was in then they were out then they were in again then they were out again it's another flighting team in this situation where we don't really know where they go from there Detroit San Jose Montreal all teams are in the mix I mean you're talking about a player that's a top five center when healthy in the National Hockey League 30 teams are interested we know Colorado's not because Buffalo won't retain salary
0: and, you know, you make a point about Minneapolis, and I think Detroit falls in that category. With two GMs that sort of are, are, you know, lay their cards out on the table, I get what I want type of GMs. I'd even put Drury in that category, even though we know New York's probably out of this with the Mika Zibanejad signing. But Minnesota and Detroit, to me, are interesting because I think that's like a kind of a spiteful Bill Guerin's going to get what he wants. Stevie is going to get what he wants. And then similarly in Vegas, you have an owner who wants to win. Win at all costs kind of a guy. He's in on every big free agent. Same with kind of Colorado was the same way. They just haven't landed them. But I'm looking at Minnesota and Detroit, two teams that are sort of on the outside right now of the the Vegas betting odds, if you will. And then you mentioned San Jose, and that interested me. And, And why do you think San Jose might be the fit?
1: San Jose is at a weird point in their organization's tenure right now they have a guy like thomas Hurdle who's been rumored to be on the trade block for a while a veteran center he's young i called him a vet the other day on twitter and people (laughs) blasted me for it but um he's a great player but his time might be up in san jose and he could be of value to a team like washington or the rangers or another team that's on the fringe of making a cup run this year so if you're san jose and you have a young player in william Eklund who's an absolute stud i mean netted his first point in the league the other night playing out of his mind right now. Who? You got another young guy there. You got a bunch of young guys in that team that are really um, setting themselves up for success in the future. So if you're if you're San Jose and you can move out Tomas Hurdle, not necessarily in the Jack Eichel deal to Buffalo, but as a side trade, and then you bring in a guy like Jack Eichel and sell him on the prospect of living out in California. I know it's not the glitz and glam of LA or Anaheim. But it's a little bit out of the beaten path of the traffic that's over in those areas. And you say, "Listen, come to California. We got a young team to build around, and we're going to win a couple of Stanley Cups. We just got to figure out the situation in net. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Aiden Hill's the guy. Right now, Jerry's still out on that, but we took a chance on him, and we're going to we're going to give this a shot, Jack. So that's what intrigues me about San Jose. And then just as an aside, really quick, the thing about Detroit, and you mentioned Bill Guerin and Stevie Wy, Bill Guerin being in Minnesota, two GMs that go after what they want, and they're kind of shrewd in that in that stature i would say this steve y has been very quiet in detroit for a while they've been rebuilding they've been sticking to the Iser plan that's what everybody calls it and it's been a long time since we've seen any major movement out of detroit to try to get back into contendership don't think a guy like steve eiserman who's been at that organization at the pinnacle of what they've achieved doesn't want to get them back to the promised land he's got dylan larkin on two more years at 6.1 million that contract runs this year runs next year and then expires the year after that they're practically at the cap floor. They have a hell of a young talent in uh, Moe Sider on defense. They got the Bertuzzi kid that's absolutely killing. Did you see him net four goals the other night? Yeah, absolutely playing out of uh, his mind.
0: Unfortunately, he's going to watch the game their their next game because he can't yeah. go to Canada. Uh, that's a obviously a uh, consequence of not being vaccinated at this point, among other other things. But I hate I hate the uh, the Iser plan. By the way, that uh, that should that should burn. In Twitter, uh, purgatory or hell. Or in you... Tampa. <laughs> it did. It did. Uh, they're they're taking advantage of their LTIR again. Mm-hmm. Loved loved the they're... memes going around there. But with Detroit, it's one of those things where I I don't know if if, if Detroit's going to make that trade. They obviously have the cap space to do so. Do they want to blow up their rebuild in order to provide the assets necessary to make it happen? In division, by the way which makes the trade all that much harder.
1: It's a thought to ponder, but the theory, the running theory right now amongst many who I've spoke to is, and and now we're not 100% sure how involved Detroit is in this. Yasmin works like Lou Lamorello. He works in silence. It's very hard to get information out of there. But the, the running theory right now is this. He's got a bunch of young talent at his disposal to use however he sees fit. Plug him in the lineup, let him get top minutes, send him to the A, send him out in a trade, whatever he needs to do with that young talent. There's certain guys that are off-limits. The aforementioned Bertuzzi, the Cedar, maybe Lucas Raymond, maybe Philip Zadina. But maybe those guys are on the table talking about a guy like Jack Eichel. But at the end of the day, Jack Eichel's young enough that if you get this guy back to full health and you bring him into your lineup in Detroit and you happen to keep a Bertuzzi or a Lucas Raymond on his wing or a Zadina in the fold and you don't have to give him up in a trade, tell me that's not a young team with a veteran, and I put that in air quotes, a veteran at center in Jack Eichel who can lead that team, and now you're back in contendership. You have Dylan Larkin there. You still have another year or two on his contract. You'll have the cap space to bring him back. You got the goalie in Alex Ndelkovic this offseason. Hopefully he lives up to his Calder Calder nominee season that he played last year in Carolina. So that's the one thing that's intriguing me. If Detroit wanted to, and Stevie Wise, one of those guys that, like we said, goes after the guys he wants and gets them, Something to ponder, and it's what many behind the scenes are talking about right now. Would Detroit even consider it because they have the room and because they have the deep prospect pool and because Stevie White's been so damn quiet for the past couple of years, and we wonder what's going on in that mind.
0: Uh, That kind of goes into the category for me, too, of one of these, you know, the Elliots of the world. Uh, Everybody keeps talking about a mystery team, and it's been talked about some sort of mystery team coming out of the fold on Jack so many times that it almost makes me feel like, no, no, there's just a team that nobody people aren't saying out loud. And whether that's San Jose, I know for a fact that um the Buffalo front office loves William Eklund. So if he's even remotely available, if San Jose needs to turn things around and I don't I don't think he would be based on uh based on your reaction there. But nah, that's that a player that man, I know they would love to have. But we we know the front runners. If Vegas if Vegas puts Krebs on the table, I think that deal gets done today. Um, I I know they're they're very comfortable with the surgery that Jack wants to have, and then, you know the the mini's been involved. Anaheim obviously, if if Zedris would be on the table, I think that gets st- done today. Um, and to this point, they haven't been, or the, yeah. the, the the price has just been too high because they're not willing to depart with those those prospects.
1: The idea at Anaheim is this: Zedris isn't going anywhere. He's a stud, and you want a one-two punch down the middle. Mm-hmm. So the deal starts at Jamie Drysdale. Now, there's questions of whether Anaheim would want to give him up. He's a hell of a young talent, too. Scored last night. He's playing well. So there's obviously questions in that Anaheim front office. Are we comfortable doing this with Drysdale? But it starts with Drysdale. Then it maybe goes to Maxime Comtois. Fell out of favor with Bob Murray in the front office in Anaheim. Know that for a fact. Heard that the other day. So now you have two guys in the fold. Then you got to throw in Adam Henrique for cap purposes. Anaheim's not pressed, but Buffalo said they'll take back a contract and Henrique's that guy. Give up a spot at center. Now you have Eichel and, uh, healthy Eichel and Trevor Zagreb as your one two punch down the middle. Throwing a pick. We know John Gibson's available at some point.
0: Well, that's, that was, was, I was just about to say, is Buffalo, you know, we'll talk about the start they're on. Does John Gibson solidify that, that Buffalo core? I mean, how old's Gibson? Uh,
1: he is he's 20 get,
0: 28 and signed 28, yeah. signed forever so goalies I, i'm comfortable with a 28 year old goalie for four or five more years for sure
1: many people should be and, and that's kind of the point here and these are the things that are bouncing around between anaheim and buffalo because we know anaheim is one of the strongest favorites in this hunt for jack eichel at this point and the reason why a deal hasn't been brokered yet much like the vegas thing too and, and we'll touch a little bit on vegas i got some things to share there about regarding vegas and eichel but These teams just aren't comfortable yet because they want clarity on the health situation. They want clarity on, okay, is Buffalo going to approve the surgery? Are we going to have to take him in the fold without any surgery signed off on and then bring him in, have our doctors evaluate him in person and then let him get his disc disc surgery. We know we're probably okay with it. There's still looming rumors about a grievance being filed. I know Elliot Freeman hit on that yesterday. Potentially, Eichel just going around soliciting opinions from all these doctors, basically to slap something on the table to the NHLPA and the, and the uh, Buffalo Sabres organization and say, listen, you're holding me back. It's not in my best interest. But with that aside, I mean, it comes down to these teams like Anaheim, like Vegas being comfortable with giving up those assets for a guy that we know is great when healthy, but we don't know when he's going to be healthy. We don't know how he's going to get healthy and so on and so forth from that. But yeah, John Gibson solidifies that Buffalo team. And I think if you're Buffalo, you have to consider it. I mean, if Anaheim puts John Gibson on the table, which... We know there's a chance he will be, whether it's now or at the trade deadline. We have a feeling he needs a fresh start there. So if if you look at a package, let me ask you this, Buffalo fan: If you get told that a package is on the table of Jamie Drysdale, Maxime Comtois, Adam Henrique as a cap dump, John Gibson, and a conditional first pending on Jack Eichel's games played, does that not appeal to you? A hundred percent. Buffalo, I, I do yeah. that.
0: I do that deal. And then you have Drysdale and Deline on the on the back end for however many years. Absolutely, and and power for that. That that could be. A left side of Drysdale, Power, and Deline,
1: Yeah, and then you're I mean, solidified for the next, like you said, you're solidified for the next 10 years. You're set up well. You got rid of Jack Eichel, the guy who wasn't even the lineup to begin with for your 3-0 start, and they're hot as can be right now. They're a hashtag wagon. Shout out to Mike Grinnell. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> oh, the, it's, Grinelli. it's one of those things. Oh, yep, Grinelli. Grinelli got you again. Grinnelly, 2018.
0: Um, 2018, he did that to me in the office. He goes, Buffalo's a wagon after the 10-game winning streak. And guess what has happened since? I think they have the worst percentage, like winning percentage of the last three years in NHL history.
1: Wagging on the Oregon Trail, we'll say that. Um, Falling apart. But yeah, nonetheless, I mean, you're set up for the next 10 years if you pull that package with Anaheim. Now, that's not for me to say right here that that's on the table, because if it was, I think that'd be done at this point. I mean, that hits the checkpoints of what Kevin Adams has sought out in an Eichel deal. But if we get to that point, because listen, teams get desperate all the time, let's say Anaheim... Is on the fringe in a weak Pacific Division, and they want to be able to go for the kill this season. And Jack Eichel's healthy post trade deadline, maybe that does come to fruition—a package like that. But nonetheless, it really comes down to these GMs, like Anaheim, like Vegas, like Kelly McCrimmon and and Bob Murray, being comfortable with parting with these deals, uh, parting with these packages for a player that we just don't know, and we just have to get him in the building first to see. So it's really just a classic standoff right now.
0: Of course, and that's the way it's been. And with Anaheim, they're you know, it feels like they're in a, a, an interesting spot because they have so many of these guys who are expiring at the end of the year. Ra- Raquel Ketslav. Uh They got to re-sign Sonny Milano. They have Maxime Quamtois, who's still available. They have Nick uh, Delorier, uh, for example. They have all these guys that can be pieces somewhere. And it's the, they've gotten off to a start where it's like, well, hang on a minute. Do we, can we just ride this one out? Silverbirds. Well, that's one. a thought too. Exactly. But,
1: that's a that's a thought too.
0: So Anaheim has has put themselves in a great spot, and Elliot said they're a, a power broker, and, and it, that's exactly what they are. So how does Buffalo leverage that? Maybe with a Vegas? Can they? Does that mean that they can get a Krebs? Does that mean they can get a Nick Haig based on Anaheim and LA going against each other for a Jack Daniel trade?
1: You would think, but and this is going to be this is going to sound crazy because oh Vegas, Vegas has been uber aggressive in their pursuit of a Stanley Cup in their first uh couple of years in the league. They already sent Eric Baxter uh, my bad to uh to Ottawa and they've diluted that prospect pool tremendously. But if you're Vegas, right, at some point a cooler head has to step into that room and say, "Listen, we can't keep hemorrhaging these prospects and picks like we are if we're not going to produce and win a Stanley Cup." And unfortunately, you can add all the talent you want, but it does not guarantee a Stanley Cup at the end of the season. So if you're Vegas, do you have to hedge? I'll put it in their terms over in the Sin City. Do you have to hedge a little bit and say, listen, we can't keep leading these prospects in pursuit of these players that were just, it doesn't guarantee us a Stanley Cup, especially when you have to, and now granted, Tampa's in the East, but you have, if you're Vegas and you know that you're the king of the West, which we're not even convinced they are because Colorado's a juggernaut as well. Mm -hmm. But if you convinced that if you're internally in Vegas, convinced that you're the juggernaut in the West to beat, you still have to go up against a hot Tampa team at the end of the year in the postseason. You still have to go against a Boston team that can get hot at the right time with their veteran leadership. Like you have to be damn near sure that you are the best team in the NHL with no doubts in your mind in order for Vegas to absolutely bleed out that farm system to nothing in order to pursue Jack Eichel. And I think that's why we're at the position we are right now with why Vegas isn't comfortable with parting with the Krebs or a Nick Hague at this point, because I think cooler heads are starting to step into that room and say, wait a second, where we support your uh, pursuit and going for it. And that could be Bill Foley saying, listen, I support the pursuit and going for it. But at the same time, I want to win this year, but I also want to win five years from now. And, we can't have nothing in the stockpile and win five years to now, uh, five years from now. Case in point, the New York Rangers of the early 2010s, they bled that farm system out to nothing, and now look where they are now. They're they, they rebuilding. Now they're coming into their own as a contender, and we'll talk about that later on in the show, but they had nothing. They were trading their top prospect, Anthony Duclair, in a first-round pick for Keith Yandel in the pursuit <laughs> of a Stanley Cup that didn't come home for them, so... Does Vegas really want to go forward or do they want to sit back and say, listen, we're going to be extremely, extremely calculated in our pursuit of talent in order for our cup dreams?
0: I think when you have a guy like Bill Foley who has the chance to put Jack Eichel's face everywhere in Vegas, and I think Jack would be receptive to something like that, I think the, the cash and the value is a, maybe a little more tantalizing than the, oh, I lost Nick Hague. I don't know. It- it's we'll a see. possibility. It's we'll something see. to
1: ponder. Like you said, if they were on the table, it would have been done right now, yeah. and, uh, and I'll support that tenfold. I, I agree.
0: Um, NRD, anything else on Idle before we uh, before we move on here?
1: Nope. I think we hit the nail on the head. I think really quick. I know a lot of people are going to be asking me about it with regards to the Rangers. I mean, they can do it, but Buffalo won't, won't um, retain any salary mm-hmm. on that deal, so... Until then, you're looking at Strom, and then they're gonna to have to take significant salary back. And unfortunately I don't think the Rangers are at a point where they have significant salary to give. Sure. They, really Strom's the only guy, and he's making four and a half, and that's not enough to get it done. Kreider's not waving his no trade clause for Buffalo, neither is Jacob Truba, and you probably wouldn't want to move Truba anyway with some young question marks on the blue line they still have to pan out. So I just don't think the fit's there from a salary cap perspective. I'm sure Drury would love to have him in the fold. It just I don't think it's gonna work out at this point.
0: And then from a from a Buffalo standpoint I wanted to step in and say this. Um, props to Kevin Adams. I'm not going to give ownership any credit. Props to Kevin Adams for, for, uh, for saying that. Hey, this is the price. I'm not going to. We're not going to retain salary. He's got five years left at 10 million bucks. No thanks. But I'm, I'm, I'm Jack's side 100% here. I'm on the player's side a, a billion percent. I don't realize what the CBA says. My point that this needs to get taken care of sooner than later. If you're a free agent in the summer of 2022, 2023, why in the world would you want to come to Buffalo after not not? It's not about the losing. It's not about the, the culture. If your body is not put ahead of the cash and the and the the asset, why in the world would you trust that organization with your health?
1: That's and, the question mark.
0: And and I just I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't. I know winning. Uh, has a tendency to cure all, but that puts them back years. Uh, a new owner, a new GM would be necessary before they people even think about it. So that's the point that I, I've never really understood in this whole thing. Other point being is there's a world that, where I'm going to get roasted for this. If I'm Jack, I have the surgery tomorrow. I just go I go ahead and do it. And I understand what that opens me up for. I understand that that is putting the basically tearing the contract up in front of me. I go get it insured. So if, if nothing else works out for my life, if the surgery gets botched, I still have twelve million bucks that an insurance company is going to pay me out. So I get where people are coming from. Like why would you why would you risk fifty million dollars? Ninety five percent success rate on the surgery. I trust that. I trust that he's going to get healthy. Then he's a free agent. He can go wherever he wants, and and get paid. Somebody's gonna pay him. Even if he's eighty percent of Jack Eichel. So I know Problem what with that, that, I know. Really that quick.
1: Yeah. I just don't I don't want to jump all over your theory there because it's it's correct in concept, but good luck finding a legitimate firm that's gonna ensure that when he's got a contract on the table with the Buffalo Sabres. Unless he says, Listen, I'm retiring from professional hockey for the time being. That's gonna be the hard part with that and the league is gonna fight that because the league doesn't want to set the precedent that the players can totally. do whatever the hell they want. I so I agree with you. And it makes sense on paper. I'm just playing devil's advocate to say that's what's gonna happen. Good luck finding an insurance broker in that um situation and good luck fighting the league in court because that's what's gonna happen. Cause we all know that the league will not let the players get the upper hand on anything. Mm-hmm.
0: I really, I really hope this does not go to court. I hope this is figured out. I hope Jack can get the surgery ASAP because an Olympics with Jack Eichel as the US either number one or number two center that helps the game immeasurably because he's a, an, you're right, he's a top-five center when he's healthy. Um, but you know what, what else looks good on paper, NRD?
1: What else looks good?
0: My DraftKings Kings bets this week. There's another week of the NFL and NHL season in the books, and that means it's another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL, new customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point, you hear that? Isn't that that's just an insane deal? Just a point? Just one point. The last 0 tie in the NFL was in 1943. So uh, that's a no-brainer, in my opinion. 100 bucks and free bets. If, if a sports book is not yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Here's why. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest, not only in the NFL, but the NHL, too. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a hot streak there. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but uh, it's going well over here. Uh, DraftKings. So teams-
1: I love my way. It's cold right now. <laughs> cold stove over here. There you go.
0: DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you do, NRD. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code WASHED, W-A-S-H-E-D. Throw a dollar down on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code WASHED this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Disclaimer time. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler you know who I'm not sure can take advantage of that deal is uh, Vitaly Kravtsov in RD. What's the latest over there?
1: Well, I don't know what the sports gambling situation is over in Russia, and I don't know what the DraftKings offer is in rubles, but I'll tell you this. <laughs> Vitaly Kravtsov's at a situation where he's not coming back to the New York Rangers anytime soon. Gerard Gallant reached out, tried to get him back in the fold with the injury to Capo Kako. They're hurting a little bit on the front end. Ryan Strom's in COVID protocol, hopefully coming out soon. Um, but at this point, No dice on Kravtsov. He wants out. So, where do we go from here? The New York Rangers are sticking to a high asking price. They want at least a first-round talent in return for Kravtsov, if nothing else. Whether that's a high first-round pick, they're not taking it from a contender like Tampa, or a first-round talent caliber player that is NHL-ready, just like Kravtsov was. That's where the Rangers are at this point. There's no mending of the fence here. The lines have been drawn in the sand. Kravtsov got on a plane and flew right back to Russia as soon as the shoe dropped when he got sent to the AHL. He did not report he is suspended by the NHL, uh, by the New York Rangers under their right to do per the CBA. And it's an irreconcilable, uh, reconcilable situation right now. And I blame both parties. Kraftsov obviously can take partial blame, and I know a lot of blame is going to go on Chris Drury because of the organization's handling of Leah Anderson a couple years back that ended up with Leas in LA. But if you look at that Rangers roster and the way it's constructed right now, outside of Keandre Miller, Alexey Lafreniere, and Capo Kako, every other young player on that roster has spent some time in the AHL to hone his craft and get back up to the big club. That includes Ryan Lindgren. That includes the hell of a goaltender Igor Shesterkin.
0: Dude is on f- fuego right Absolutely now. Absolutely
1: in fuego, but played in the A to start, and he was down in the A with Vitaly Kravtsov last year, or the year prior. I'm sorry, not the shortened season. Put an asterisk on that. But <laughs> yeah, no. So if you look at the young talent on that Rangers uh, team, Morgan Barron just came up from the AHL. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of hype surrounding him in the center from Cornell. Um, but here's the problem, though. Smart dude. Smart, very smart dude. Here's the problem, though. If you're Vitaly Kravtsov. How do you not look at that and say, My time in the sun is coming? Everybody else in this locker room, outside of two very highly touted prospects, has had to take their time and earn their keep in the A before coming back here. I know it didn't start off as hot as I wanted it to, and I know I was in the NHL for twenty games last year and I scored a couple points and I was on the front the first line, at the beginning of camp. But for whatever reason, you know, the staff doesn't feel that I'm at the best ability right now to play in the top six, so they want me to go to the A and get top ten minute, uh top line minutes. Well, that's not what he did. He decided to take his ball and go home, but for good reason. And now let's let's look at the other side of things. Allegedly, according to Arthur Staple of The Athletic, Chris Jerry berated him in front of the team. There was a little bit of a calling out in a public situation for Vitaly Kravtsov. Um, there was also, allegedly, and now this is Something that's yet to be confirmed considering the players involved in this, but there was a situation where he was promised probably a little bit more than what he got in his first couple of years with the New York Rangers organization from Nikolai Bobrov, who was their former director of European Scouting, who was now let go. Chris Jury, also the assistant GM at the time when he was drafted. It was under Jeff Gordon's tenure, and I believe John Davidson's as well, when Vitaly Krabsoff was drafted to the New York Rangers. And Chris Jury, don't forget, was the was appointed while he was assistant GM in the New York Rangers, he was also the sole GM of the Hartford Wolfpack for Vitaly Kravtsov's first stop in Hartford. And probably somewhere along the way, and we'll find this out sometime soon, things went wrong behind the scenes. And like we said, we don't know day-in, day-out details, and that probably never be shared, especially from an organization like the New York Rangers who try to keep everything on lock. But he was rubbed the wrong way, whether that's promises or whatnot. And now we're in the situation we're in. He
0: lost his biggest cheerleader. And that guy who was the European scouting director, I'm sure. He lost the guy who drafted him in Gordon and Davidson. He is, he's sitting there with, it, the, like you said, he took his ball and went home. He has no, I, I, I don't think he has a defender in that organization right now that wants him out with the club. I don't think they need him. You look up and down their lineup, where does, where does he fit in? Uh, like, are you? Is he? Does he want third line minutes? He's not like Kiel and Panera and Gudrow, Lafreniere, a Benedeck, Kreider. He doesn't crack that top six in my mind, nor no, will he for he doesn't for years. Yeah. So, so in that situation, if you're New York, uh, I'm on New York side here. Why not go get a piece? I don't. I don't know if a first rounder is fair. I don't think that Kraft's office has proven himself in any league, even the KHL. To, to be a p- type of player of that caliber. But I understand that that's what they want. Um, and I don't think Chris Drury has to make a decision today. He is, there's no pressure on him, even though they're you know, they're where they are in the standings. But it's so early, that doesn't matter. So I think uh, this seems like something that's going to drag until somebody gets sick of it, besides yeah. Kravtsov.
1: I mean, Kravtsov is at the point now where he'll just go back. He's not playing in Russia. He's turned down offers already from the KHL. He said he wants to focus on the NHL and his return to America, but he's going to be skating. He's going to be practicing, whether he's practicing with Tractor Chalblinsk, uh, his team over in the KHL, or somewhere else at his local rink, we don't know, but he's staying in shape. He wants to get back to the NHL as soon as possible. It's not going to be in New York. So now where do you turn to if you're in New York? Like you said, I know New York has a high asking price, like I've said, first round or equivalent on the table for Vitaly stuff but... Here's a thing I pondered the other day on Twitter, and I know many people jumped on this and either discredited or supported my theory here. <laughs> we know Gerard Gallant loves his original misfits in Las Vegas. And we know Riley Smith has an expiring contract. And we know that, like we just discussed before, Vegas is hemorrhaging young talent in the in the pursuit of a Stanley Cup. I wonder if, and this is only in Ve- Vegas's benefit to clear our cap for this season... And you're probably not re-signing Riley Smith anyway on an expiring deal. If you somehow swing a Jack Eichel deal, whether before or after, do you listen if the Rangers come calling and say, listen, Gallant wants his guy Riley Smith. He wants an original misfit. He wants Marcia So. Maybe that's a little tougher than Riley Smith to swallow. But nonetheless, let's let's use Riley Smith as the example. We'll give you Vitaly Kravtsov. It's not necessarily a first-round talent, but it's an NHL-caliber winger. He's a veteran that shores up the Rangers roster and he could play a middle six role better than what Vitaly Kraftsoff could do. Like you mentioned, where does Vitaly Kraftsoff fit in? We don't really know, but we know Riley Smith fits in Gerard Gallant's system and we know he could kind of play up and down that lineup. Depth doesn't hurt if the Rangers are serious about contending. So is that something you have to consider? I don't know if that's on the table yet, but we know that many teams are calling the Rangers on Vitali Kravtsov and we know Chris is sticking to his guns and his asking price. You'd have to assume that teams, especially like Vegas, who have top-tier Russian talent already in Dorfiev and um, Marzov, don't they want to add to that Russian pool of talent in Vitaly Kravtsov? And so you have to ponder that possibility if you're Vegas, and I think that there's a natural fit that we don't know anything concrete yet. It's a little bit more speculative, but something to watch for because we know Gallant loves his guys. He's got loyal players. Look what he did. He went out and got Ryan Reeves. I know there's Chris Drury as the GM, but don't tell me for two seconds that... Ryan Reeves didn't say, I want, uh, sorry, Gerard Gallant didn't say for two seconds, I want Ryan Reeves in this locker room. So something to think about.
0: That's a potential future Sabre, Riley Smith, as well. Although I'm more of an Alex Tuck guy. I know he's hurt. I know Jack's hurt. I think that might make a lot of sense as well. I like your theory. I like your theory. I, I, I have no, no qualms on my end. Although I don't know if Vegas, if Vegas with Kravtsov and Eichel, is that better than Vegas with Hague, Smith, Tuck? You know, you go, kind of go down the list of what they would trade. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you'd have to think about it. I mean, it's one of those things, right? You're you're hemorrhaging the youth for Ico, but then you gain some youth back in the lineup in Kravtsov. Is he talented? Absolutely. He's worth the spot he was drafted in. There's obviously questions about his work ethic at this point, and that's, that's the one thing that's looming here.
0: I think you absolutely listen, though. Speaking of Russians, uh, Tampa has one. That's been pretty good over the last couple of years. Who was hurt? Again, NRD, what's the latest on Nikita Kucherov?
1: Well, he's going to go on LTIR, but the thought right now is, if he's not already, but the thought is that he wants to focus on getting healthy for the Olympics this year. So that's a little bit earlier than the playoffs. So everybody can shut up. And I'm going to go on a rant here for a minute about Tampa bending the rules to their favor. You have to remember that Tampa was one of the teams that voted against this loophole in the CBA last time this was negotiated. They did not want this. They merely are just taking advantage of the rules that were laid out by the league and the other GMs and the other owners and playing their cards right. At the end of the day, and I get it, people are going to say, well, Tampa was going to make the playoffs anyway with or without Kravtsov. Uh Sorry, Kucherov. But you still lose Kucherov in the lineup, and he's still a hell of a talented player. So in order for them to hold him out of the lineup to protect their salary cap figure, you still go without Kucherov, Nikita Kucherov, in your lineup. Now, like, yes, I'll give credence to that argument. They probably would have made the playoffs anyway, especially last year in the shortened season in that division. But nonetheless, you're still taking a talented player out of the lineup in order to stash him on LTIR for the year. And I don't think that's going to be a repeat this season. Granted, setbacks happen, and maybe coincidentally another setback happens with Kucherov this season. He's on ice for the rest of the, the rest of the regular season. He comes back in the playoffs. But nonetheless, it's allowed. They allow it to happen, and any team could do it. Don't get mad because Tampa has set themselves up in a position where they've gained talent, they've got talent for cheap, and they're exercising their right to stash guys on LTI that are injured. Listen, the league would not fly for Nikita Kucherov to be stashed on LTIR if he was completely healthy, nor would the NHLPA for that matter. They want these guys playing. They don't want to find any loopholes. They want to create any loopholes where the league could come after them in the next CBA negotiations in 2026. So that's my little rant about that. It's perfectly legal to me. I'm so tired of people complaining about them being $18 million over the, over the cap. It's allowed. You want to go to a hard cap, like a soft cap, like the NBA, luxury tax it and let it run throughout the entire season. Go for it. Unfortunately, the NHL doesn't bring enough money to do that. So until then, we're in the situation we are now and that's it. And that's, that's final. I'm so tired of the arguments about any Tampa Bay player going in LTIR. They got good talent for cheap. They're extremely deep. They won back-to-back Stanley Cups. I think stashing Kucherov on LTIR is only a very small part in why they've won back to Stan- back-to-back Stanley Cups.
0: I, I completely agree with you. I get where people are coming from. That soft cap you mentioned has had a lot of uh, mention in the hockey world over the last couple couple days, even, I'd call it, because these situations have been happening all over the place. My, uh, Toronto, for example, had uh, Alex Bishop, the collegiate goalie, sitting on the, uh, the e-bug seat for that game. And... You know, immediately I was like, oh, why why would they ever get off a hard cap? Like It makes it fair, the parity. A soft cap ultimately would benefit, I think, everybody because you have the franchises that bring in so much money that the Buffalo Sabres of the world don't. Florida Panthers of the world don't. No offense to them, uh, Coyotes, for example. But if they could benefit from a luxury tax where Chicago, New York, et cetera, can, can pay to be over the cap, they share that revenue with not only the league, but the teams that don't have that sort of revenue. It feels like a win-win to me for everybody involved. The People can become the Yankees if they want to. People can become the Dodgers if they want to. And, it, you know, it It sets up well for, for everybody. I, I don't know what it looks like in the long run. Does it become the EPL where it's the same five teams every year? Uh, or is it, is, it, is it a better league? I don't know. I don't know. But... To me, the, my, my opinion on the matter has shifted over the last few days as as I've heard the arguments for it, and I don't think it'll ever happen, though. That's no. it's, it's wishful thinking It on won't. anybody's part.
1: And the league's been... I'll tell you why it won't happen. A, if you think baseball owners and GMs are stubborn about the luxury tax number, check out some hockey GMs. They're bigger sons of bitches than anybody in the MLB or the NBA. <laughs> but that aside, the NHL has been so protective of the dispersion of talent in the league, especially because... As of right now, and I know you're going to touch on this later in the show about the the TV deals between uh, Turner and ESPN, but as of now, the NHL is fourth in the lineup of the four professional major sports leagues in the United States. So they've been super protective of their talent pool, of their product, of the parity between the bottom feeder teams and the top tier teams. And the fear is that if we ever went to a soft cap era in the NHL, Listen, everybody signs in New York or everybody signs in Florida anyway because the luxury tax rate or New York because of the market or L.A. because of the market. Anyway, yeah, you're just giving them more of an excuse to do it. And it just buries teams like Florida, it buries teams like Buffalo. It buries the smaller market locations. And the NHL is trying to grow the game in those smaller market locations. And that's another thing we'll drop here in a little bit talking about relocation because there's there's some hot button topics going on behind the scenes regarding relocation of one team in specific But the NHL doesn't want that. That's why I can't see it happening anytime in the near future or even into the far future. I think they're so protective of their product and the parity and the dispersion of talent throughout the league that that's the main reason that'll hold the league back from ever going to a soft cap era.
0: I do too. It's a fun thought exercise. Um, But with the TV deals, the uh, expansion cash, I, I don't think we're talking about that for a decade at this point. You mentioned though, Relocation. Are the Arizona Coyotes that team that you have in mind? Yes. The situation with Arizona, oh, let me just recap, is their arena contract, their lease, expires after this season. They don't have a rink to play in next season, as of today. They cannot build one in the time that it takes uh, this season to happen. Where are the Arizona Coyotes going to play hockey next year and is it in tempe arizona
1: i don't believe so and i don't want to take credit for this idea because it's a being talked about behind the scenes and b first came from frank cerevale but houston is my guess as well um they have an arena which is more than arizona could say right now they have ownership that wants the team and do you not think, for the reasons that we just mentioned before regarding the salary cap and money and, and advertising deals coming in, that a five hundred and fifty million dollar relocation fee that gets allocated amongst the other thirty one owners of the league, do you not find that appealing? If you're if you're an owner, do you not kick Arizona in the butt on their way out and just be like, hey, move along, move along, get over to Houston, because we want to cut of that uh, relocation fee. So. That's something to ponder, and I, I think it's Houston for, for the reasons I just mentioned, for the reasons that Frank touched on, and I'll give him full credit for sharing it first, but they have an arena, they have ownership, they have everything ready to go in place. They want the team. I know the fan base isn't probably the strongest in terms of national viewership, and it's probably not going to be as emboldened of a fan group as maybe some other locations like Quebec City or whatnot. They're not going to Quebec because the Canadian dollars a week. That's just effect. That's the reason why the NHL isn't back in Quebec. Don't think for two seconds that they wouldn't love to be back in Canada's second biggest hockey market, but the problem is is that Canadian dollars are just so weak, and the owners don't want to cut a Canadian money. They want U.S. dollars. It's not going to be Kansas City. Um, I've heard a rumor the other day that Tom Stillman and the ownership group in St. Louis would not call eminent domain, but basically call infringement on their territory if the NHL went to Kansas City. They already pondered it back with the Islanders in 20 in the early 2010s late uh, late double zeros in um, when the Islanders were out of the Coliseum and looking for a home they eventually went to Brooklyn. I think that ship has sailed in Kansas City you never know but right now it's all in Houston I think Dallas uh, I mean I think the Texas market is gigantic. Don't forget luxury tax free all right not luxury tax um income State tax free
0: Income tax is 0.0 which is why. Uh, I think Austin, Texas, would have a say in the matter. They don't have a rink, but they have resources piling in by the literal minute. That this this city and spoiler alert, I live in Austin. I'm a huge NHL fan. The market is rabid. It's full of relocated folks from NHL cities like myself. You can't walk down the street and and meet somebody from Austin. It's impossible. Um, the cash that's available, the sites that are available, the land that's available, the uh, attractiveness, wink wink, of the of the market. I think players would want to be here. I think players want to raise a family here. The economics make a ton of sense. It's who would buy it from here and can you build a rink ASAP? Maybe you play in Houston for a year and test that market. But I think Austin and in Fortita, Tillman Fertita's shots that that's who we're referring to as yes, the ownership correct. group in Houston. Why why can't he have a, a Houston and an Austin team? He's got teams all over the place. He's loaded. He's coming out of the pandemic. He's a hospitality guy, for those that don't know. So he's uh, taken a hit over the last year, but he's he's still hungry. Um but I think Austin would be considered because it's it's a the the most rapidly growing market in the country that does not have a professional sports team. And, and most rapid loan market, period. Phoenix is actually close, but it's proven that they cannot sustain a franchise, even though the, the rink location has hindered them. Now, can they play downtown? Can they play in the Suns venue? Potentially. I think that's, if, if anything happens, it's going to be that before that Tempe um, rink proposal goes through. We will see on that. Anything else on relocation?
1: Well, I... I- just really quick like you like you mentioned I don't want to I don't want to close the door to Arizona. I don't think it's dead in the water about them moving on either. I think there's a path for them to continue on in the state of Arizona, but right now relocation's the hot topic and for the reasons that I mentioned before, why do you think the owners wouldn't push that because they want to cut of that relocation fee? As for the Austin thing, I say we build a barn in your backyard, Brett, you'll be the first season ticket holder and we'll just go from there. We'll see how the market will test it out that way.
0: PSL's, baby. PSL's. Um, I don't have a good segue here. I'm just going to talk about our friends over at Manscaped because we're a hockey podcast. That means you need to have Manscaped on board, and we do, because guess what, fellas? The boys are buzzing because hockey's back. Want to know what else is buzzing? The Lawnmower Mower 4.0 from our friends at Manscaped. They are the global leaders in male grooming trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Don't get chirped this year for having Jumbo Joe below. Join... <laughs> that's that's terrible. This is this is their that's that's just a terrible line. Join the Manscaped movement for all your hairiest grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code STOVE, S T O V E at manscaped.com. I had a situation in RD where, where I had the Manscaped uh, the 3.0, the lawn mower 3.0, and that the f- for whatever reason uh, ran out of battery to the point where I couldn't charge it anymore. Mm-hmm. But the 4.0 came in and saved me. I use it everywhere. It's a phenomenal product that uh, that you can take anywhere. It comes with a little travel case. That the, the package they send it in, like the influencer package, is because that's what we are now as influencers. It, it, it they give you everything. I got the uh the, the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, I got the the weed whacker for my ears, my nose. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It's got 7,000 RPM motor. A new uh, multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer's waterproof, too? That's where I'm using it. I, I hop in the shower. Boom, boom, boom. Done, done, done. Easy. The way to go. That's the way to go. Don't take a penalty below the waist, NRD. Playoff beards are meant for your face, not your pants. This package also comes with a weed whacker, like I men- mentioned, to chop up your worst weeds up top in both your nose and your ear. It's also waterproof and uses a 9,000-rpm motor powered 360-degree rotary blade or dual blade system to prevent Nick's snagged tuds in those delicate holes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts. Are you kidding me? This includes their Shed Travel Bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably and the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs. So here's what you do. I get, you can't beat that deal. You cannot but, beat that deal. I'll tell deal you
1: anymore. what, the anti-chafing boxer briefs, that's clutch right there. Oh, wait till you
0: throw those on. It's unbelievable. That's one
1: gift, and then they give more than that. It's incredible.
0: The gift that keeps on giving. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code STOVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code STOVE. Don't get denied pipe this season, NRD, and shave your pants. Pox, the right tools for the job. On that note, it's been a long off season, and uh, I wanted to get into some topics that maybe you might have heard that didn't happen, NRD. What's uh, what what happened this year that that didn't happen?
1: Well, the big one, and I've talked about this whether um, be on other podcasts or my Twitter feed. The The purported Vladimir Tarasenko trade that didn't go down this offseason, and it was close at numerous occasions, whether it be to the New York Islanders or the Philadelphia Flyers, I think what fell apart there, and as the story evolved over time, and this is my concrete understanding of what went wrong in, in terms of St. Louis getting that deal done. Originally, the purported deal was to have Seattle take Vladimir Tarasenko, and then push him onto Philadelphia in exchange for selecting Jacob Voracek from Philadelphia at a discounted retained salary rate on Tarasenko. That fell through when Vince Dunn was left unprotected and Seattle said there's a path to taking Vince Dunn, seeing how he works out on the blue line, and if not flipping him down the line at the deadline for equal or greater value than Jacob Voracek. So that deal then became dead in the water. Then, now you get Tarasenko back in St. Louis. Rutherford's a shrewd GM. Does not retain salary too often. Does not give out no movement clauses. Does not do those things. as a He's an old school general manager in the National Hockey League. So, now you get the Islanders involved. Lou Lamorello, also a shrewd GM. Wants things done his way. Does not accept what anybody else wants to do. Only does it the Lamorello way. That salary being retained, kind of dead in the water for the New York Islanders. They were not taking Leo Komarov in return. There were some rumors at one point about Scott Mayfield being involved. I think the deal got very close with some formation of Mayfield, plus a very high draft choice and salary retained that did fell apart when Tarasenko showed up for training camp in shape. And St. Louis said, maybe we can work things out for the time <laughs> being, at least. Um, but that was probably the closest thing that came that almost came to fruition this offseason. A bunch of Jack Eichel stuff, but we already touched about that on top of the show. Really quick, I just want to talk about my favorite move of the offseason really quick. Yeah, hit me. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen. Hey! I love that trade. you know Vista. what? I'll give Kevin Adams credit here. Stuck to his guns. Just like Elliot Freeman mentioned in 32 Thoughts yesterday. Stuck to his guns. He stayed the course. He could have moved Rasmus Ristolainen 15 offseasons ago, it feels like. Never got the big offer. Um. Finally, top tier value came in from the philadelphia flyers and they got it done and not to toot my own horn but i was on the what was formerly known as the instigators up on wgr in buffalo with craig <laughs> revay uh and andrew peters talking about how philly was one of the landing spots for rest of line and that uh that ended up coming to fruition so that's another nrd bomb for the for the city of philadelphia but you can all thank me later um no but that's one of my favorite moves this offseason i like how philadelphia shored up their blue line with a little bit of veteran grit and Defend, defensive prowess And that's one deal that was close And always rumored for a while that I'm happy it did go through this offseason I think it worked out for both parties So,
0: And you know Risto gets a bad rap in Buffalo and, and a lot of it was deserved Given his play He needed a change of scenery He's a talented guy Who was jaded by Eight years of just being horrendous As a team He needed a change of scenery I'm rooting for him uh poor Keith Yandel draw drew him in as a defense partner. So I, I don't know if you're trusting Keith Yandel to fix Rasmus wrist line in. Um hopefully it works out, because I'm a big Keith fan myself. What they got back in that trade was awesome. Um because Robert Hag has been awesome. Or, excuse me, Robert Haig for the Sabres has been an awesome physical presence on their blue line, who kind of seemed like a th- not a throwaway, but we didn't even consider him, and then pick up Isaac Rosen in the first round with that draft pick. Great, uh, great trade for Kevin Adams, and I think, I and I hope, Ristolainen plays well in Philly because I think Philly's a fun team if they figure it all out and he Carter would. Hart figures it out. So we'll see you down there in Philadelphia. I, Joel Farabee, by the way, if I'm building my team tomorrow, Farabee's on that roster. If I can pick anybody from that team, that dude plays his ass off, and I
1: love it. High hockey IQ, too. It doesn't just skid around like a chicken without his head. He's really smart about the game. I love Farabi's game. There's a,
0: there's a couple guys in that division. Jesper, uh, excuse me, Jesper Barat is another one who just just plays the game the way I, I like playing the game. Just get in the corners, make things happen, feed it to the guys that can play a little bit, uh, bang, tic-tac-toe with those guys. I'll tell you, while we're doing favorite moves of the off season. I'm trying to think of mine. Uh, Besides drafting, I'll I'll say drafting Owen Power, number one. I think he's going to be a stud. And that Michigan team we talked about before the podcast. The fact that that Michigan team was not ranked number one going into this year was insane. I don't don't know if if the coach was like, hey, can you put us at three just to give us some uh, bulletin board material? Yeah, sure, coach. It's an yeah, all-star absolutely.
1: event. It's an all-star event every time Michigan hits the ice in Ann Arbor. The only thing I'd be careful is. about is if Owen, po- Owen Power loves Ann Arbor so much that he wants to stay the next three years there. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, everybody. Don't take that. Don't quote that on. But, um, no, I think it was a great pick for Buffalo. I know there were some rumors about William Macklin, and I still think William Macklin might end up being the best player in that draft class. I'm really high on him. I know the Sabres front office was as well. We've had that confirmed. Lance Laskowski, or Laskowski, of the um, of Buffalo News, came on. The trade melt, or was it the trade melt? Or the free agency live, actually, special, and confirmed that for us, I believe. Yep. So if you remember yep. that. And, uh, yeah, I think that Buffalo was really high, William Macklin, but they did the right thing at the end of the day. They took the top talent in the draft, and Owen Power, and he will be in the lineup for Buffalo next season. And, like we said before, Jamie Drysdale comes in, Owen Power, Krasman Stalin, you have a blue line in Buffalo now, so there's there's hope, there's light at the end of tu- at, light at the end of the tunnel for people like yourself, Brett. I think all, all the tens and tens of Buffalo fans who've been going to the games lately, are going to be very excited to see what uh what product they put on the ice next year. Just get through this Jack Eichel trade first.
0: Yeah, that's the, the dozens of people at the uh, KeyBank Center really enjoying the team, and uh, that's what I wanted to talk about next on RD was was some of the starts around the league. And how, you know, Buffalo is playing this style that I don't know if it can hold up. They're basically four-checking, 2-1-2 uh, two, two, four-check every game, all, all game. People are going to get hurt doing it. People are going to get tired doing it. But it's fun for the, for the first three games. You know, I don't exactly think they played the most talented teams in the league in Montreal, who we'll talk about next, in uh, Montreal and Arizona and Vancouver. But they're fun. They're playing it uh, the the most simple game of hockey that you can play, and I think that's a huge credit to Don Granato. Their, their their system is going out, playing fast, forechecking, and having fun, and it's leading to results and a little bit of confidence that I have not seen since the streak of 2018. And are they for real? Who knows? the 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 style of play that they're doing right now is is so fast, so. F- Offensively, you know, four checking based, that can it hold up over the course of 82 games? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Good luck. If it does, I will gladly eat that crow. But uh, we'll see. Now, on the other hand, a team like Montreal, who is over and has looked it, what's going on in Montreal as far as you can tell?
1: Houses are burning. The church is burning in Montreal. It's a disaster. That market is incredible. And actually, as we're recording this, I just happened to see it on my Twitter feed. Mark Bergevin is having a press conference right now in Montreal. Just to quell any fears, just to to, uh, fan the flames a little bit, uh, because we know how passionate that fan base is. And we know that it's Armageddon 2012 every time Montreal drops three straight. But I think they're all right. Look at what they're missing. They're missing Carey Price, which kudos to him. I just want to take a moment to say what he's doing is awesome. Speaking on mental health, going to take the time he needs to get things right and come back healthier, stronger, in a better mindset, and just want to wish Carrie the best of luck in that. But aside from that, they're missing Carrie Price, which is a huge, huge thing to miss. I mean, he's a top-tier goalie still in the NHL, and he's one of the greatest active goalies in the game, if not one of the, one of the greatest goalies of all time when it's all said and done. You're also missing Shea Weber. Heart and soul guy on that on that uh, blue line. Out with an injury that's probably going to keep him out maybe for the rest of his career. Who knows at this point. But you're missing some veteran leadership there between him and Price. Jonathan Drewin also had some battles on his own um, with some mental health stuff that we're glad to see him back on the ice as well. But he's not back to the way he was yet. I think he's still trying to find his footing in the league right now in Montreal. It's a tough mark to play in to begin with. So we hope that he kind of strengthens up a little bit in terms of his on ice performance he started off hot he scored a couple of the season to start but he'll, he'll he'll hit his stride soon enough but um yeah no they're struggling and we're not forgetting that they kind of had a free pass to the Stanley Cup final last year I mean Oof. once they knocked out the tr- uh, Toronto in the first round M- Montreal is swimming to the uh to at least the conference finals or the purported conference finals even though there was no conferences last year so it's going to be a struggle no matter what I'm sure 0-4 to start the year is not what they expected, but we know Bergevin's not going to be there next year anyway. So it's one of those things that it's like, if Montreal doesn't perform this year, I don't think it's terrible, whatever they say up there, but like, I think <laughs> that, uh, no, sorry, I'm trying to come up with a better um, phrase to put it because you know what, in the, the day, they're 4 they're 0 for to start the year, but if you put it into perspective... It's the market that's blowing that out of proportion. Teams start over and they turn it around. It's hockey. There's 82 games in a season. This is not the NFL where if you go one and four or one and five, you're missing the playoffs. So I just say stay the course if you're Montreal. Maybe they're a dark horse team at Jack Eichel if they want to give up what it takes to get it done. But other than that, I don't think they're in a bad spot. Look at who they're missing. Look what they're trying to grow and say, take a step back and say last year was lightning in a bottle, flash in a pan. And uh, they're still on their charted course. I don't think that—obviously, like I said, uh, oh, no wins to start the year is something that you don't ever want to plan for, but if you take last year's asterisk season out of it, wasn't this on the, the path that Montreal was on anyway? So you take Harry Price and Shea Weber out of the equation, and now look what you got. You look but this is what we expected out of Montreal. Uh, you know. It
0: strikes me as a bold move to ask Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield— to score all the goals for that team, you know Tyler Toffoli had an unbelievable season last year. Putting that on the young guys to do all of their scoring feels uh, tough in this situation. They'll get their goals. They'll get their wins. I'm not worried about Montreal. A team I am worried about is the Chicago Blackhawks. That to to have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves come out and publicly support a coach feels like a calculated move. I don't think Colleton is going anywhere based on what I've heard because he is attached uh, at the hip to Stan Bowman. Mark Andre Fleury has not looked like himself. I don't know what's happening in Chicago, let alone the baggage that, the, you know, the black cloud that's over that organization as it is with off the ice stuff. Do you see anything from them that tells you something differently?
1: No. I am with you that I don't believe Carlton's going anywhere anytime soon. But the team just doesn't look good. And eventually, you're going to have to scapegoat someone. I mean, we're in the business of winning games. If If you're Stan Bowman and you look at that roster and you're like, listen... It's not a poorly constructed roster. And I know Stan Bowman's egotistical enough to say that. I mean, you have Patrick Kane, you have Jonathan Taze. You went out and got Seth Jones, Mark andre Fleury, Tyler Johnson when he comes back and plays. But, you know, you build that lineup and then to see their performance level where it's at right now, these are talented hockey players and have proven their talent in the National Hockey League year in and year out. And it looks like ice capades out there. The- <laughs> The madhouse in Madison just looks like Disney on ice. So, you could say, is Mark Andre Fleury's head in it? You'd hope he accepted the assignment to go to Chicago. He had every opportunity to back out and retire. Granted, he probably didn't want to give up playing the game he's loved so much over the years. But he's there, so that's not an excuse. They have Tays back in the lineup, fully healthy and ready to go. That's not an excuse. They went out and got Seth Jones, who I'm higher on than most. I think he's a hell of a defense in the National Hockey League. You gave up the farm to get him. You gave up a collection of first-round picks and Adam Boqvist. So, where along the line... like, There's clearly a disconnect between that front office and that coaching staff to say that Stan Bowman sat there and said, this is our year to go for it. We gave up the farm for Seth Jones. We got Marc-Andre Fleury. We got Tyler Johnson, who is not the player that he once was but provides something to our locker room and to our lineup we have Kane and Taze we're gonna take one more kick at the can and you look at that team and you go are they bottom feeders like what's going on there so like you said I think Colton and Bowman are attached at the hip but eventually you know for lack of better term the team's gonna to have to fall on someone and if it's if it's Colleton it's gonna be Colton because f- friendships last forever but Poor results don't. When people stop showing up and people stop caring about your on-ice product, eventually something's got uh, to give.
0: shots to Barstool Chief mentioned. I was listening to his Twitter space last night. Somebody said that uh, in Chicago, if the Cubs are losing, people still go to the games. If the Blackhawks are losing, that's not the case. So that's got to be figured out quickly. Um, speaking of showing up to the arena, Another team that's maybe not out of the gates as they thought is the New York Islanders. They're a defensive-minded team that's given up a ton of goals. They do start the the, the season on a 13-game road trip, so they don't play at home until next month. Is there any reason to be concerned about where the Islanders are at uh, as of today?
1: No, because they have a stud goaltending duo between Elisa Sorokin and Semyon Verlamov. They're solidified in that They got Anders Lee back up front. He didn't play last night. He was out for a non-COVID-related illness. But he's their leader. He's their heart and soul guy. Guy's got quads and calves for days. I mean, look at him. He's a tree trunk out there. Strong. Plays front of the net well. Puts the puck in the net on the power play. He's everything you can ask out of a captain and a leader of that organization. Matt Barzell is a hell of a talented player. They have the deep and veteran leadership roster that you need to make a run in the postseason. I don't think the panic button's ready to be pressed yet. Starting 13 games on the road is extremely tough. The New York Rangers did it for some for a multiple-year run when they were renovating the Madison Square Garden for a while. I say wait till they get home. Wait till they play the stable over at Belmont. Wait till you get all 20-some-odd thousand people in there because traffic on the Belt Parkway and taking the MTA over there is going to be a disaster. <laughs> so wait till people get in the building first. It might take a couple hours to get everybody in through the gates, but... Pump the brakes on the Islanders being dead in the water yet to start the year. I still have them as my winner of the Eastern Conference.
0: I will take that bet because I don't know that this same group of cats, you know, I think they've tried. I think this group has tried and tried and gotten oh so close. Perhaps a one nothing game uh, sticks in the mind of some of us. I don't know. I'm looking forward to watching it. And I do have the pipe dream of not only going to the Belmont Stakes in the afternoon and then going to an Islanders playoff game that night at the same location, but then also hitting Borelli's afterwards. Shouts to Frankie. NRD, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts. We, we went through some of the starts. We know uh, a couple of things that are coming up this week. Colorado's going to get healthy. McKinnon's going to play his first game. Shouts to the Premier Hockey Federation, the Women's League, for locking down ESPN Plus in a broadcasting deal. Evander Kane uh, has a 21-game suspension. I think he's played his last game in San Jose. I don't know where you fall that. I would agree with that. But that's all. That's just hitting, hitting the basics here. I want to know who we're looking at this year that is potentially on the block, whether it's today or at the deadline. What are you hearing, and who is looking at being
1: moved. Tomas Hartle. Obviously, we mentioned him earlier on in the show. He's a big name out there, a center that fits into multiple lineups and could probably help you get over that hump if you want to contend this year. Johnny Gaudreau is a little bit of concern. I know everything sounds honky dory there between him and the Calgary Flames camp, but he doesn't have a leadership letter and he's a UFA at the end of this year. And he does love the area. I think he's... Over the years started to enjoy Calgary more than most and more than many thought, but he's an unrestricted free agent, and if Calgary goes nowhere anytime fast and they keep getting their asses kicked by Edmonton, then what do you do if you're Calgary? You have to at least consider the idea of shipping him somewhere else and maybe trying to re-sign him in the offseason if he really loves the uh the Scotiabank Saddle Dome that much, but it's a possibility, so I don't think I don't think we wouldn't hear his name be thrown around a little bit this season. Um what does Florida do with Sergey Bobrovsky? Spencer Knight, early Calder pick. Maybe even get some Vezina love. If he if he is good enough to win the Calder as a goaltender, I will tell you this. He will get some Vezina votes. Not first place votes, but he will be in the mix. So if that happens, then you know you got a future gem in Spencer Knight, which I already think he's a future gem. What does Florida do with Sergey Bobrovsky? Do they get desperate enough that they know they need to add it other facets of the team that they retain half that contract? And maybe ship them out to a team in desperate need of some goaltender, uh, goaltender goaltending bodies in the net. So there's a couple names out there to ponder. And then I just look at the vets. You look at the list of vets that are going to be pending free agents this year. The PK Subans, the um, names escaping my head. Fill uh, fill the, the thrill. Fill the thrill. Yes, that's a How could you forget? Fill the thrill. It wasn't even the one I was thinking of. But yeah, guys <laughs> like that i think come to mind is just guys that get kicked around the young hot names usually come up late as we get into the late february early march we come out of the olympic break this year then we'll see some traction we'll see who the pretenders and the serious contending teams are the buyers and the sellers those names are for a different day right off the bat i look at goudreau i look at thomas Hurdle, i look at sergey bobrovsky Maybe Vladimir Tarasenko again comes back up in the mix. Those types of guys, the younger guys, the hot names, the flash in the pans. We'll hear about that when we get closer to March.
0: All well and good. I don't. I don't think the Sabres are going to be doing much in that. In terms of buying, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I wanted to go through uh, some of my thoughts here, though. These are kind of off the beaten path thoughts. These don't. I don't have any. Uh, Uh, No trades, no free agency stuff. I just wanted the the kind of observations that I've had throughout the first couple of games here. The first being the advertising on the helmets and jerseys and, uh, and the ice it's here to stay. I like it. I don't mind it. I don't think it's been egregious in any fashion. If as long as it's done tastefully, I appreciate the money that it, uh, that it brings to the teams.
1: I really like the advertising being in the league. I mean, people complain that the salary cap hasn't gone up in years. We've talked about this and, The only way it's going to go up is if you bring in ad revenue for the National Hockey League. I don't think we're going to go out there and look like the European leagues. So if they stick Caesar Sportsbook on the jersey, we can't say that, DraftKings partner of the show. So let's say they put DraftKings on the jersey. Um, I'm mentioning because I know that's what Washington's doing. But at the end of the day, a jersey logo or a helmet sticker is not going to kill the product on ice. It's going to keep the game alive, it's going to propel the game to success in future years in terms of the salary cap and the revenue and more experiences for the fans. So why complain? I mean, these are the same people that listen to and Tom Connors. as the old hockey game on repeat on their Spotify and not listen to our podcast. So who cares? We don't (laughs) need those boomers anyway. We'd love your support, but that's the way I look at it. I think it's the old boys club that's mad about it. Everybody else, I think, from what I've heard, has been on board with the advertising being in the league. and It's here to stay, so why complain?
0: TV deals are new. I've been a fan of everything they're bringing to the table right now. I think TNT has been phenomenal. I think that panel's phenomenal. I love seeing Wayne Gretzky. I'm not sure if he's the most charismatic uh, person on that panel, but I like seeing him up there. I think ESPN's been great with Shelly and, and Messier. New TV deals have been great. I'm excited for what they bring, NRD.
1: I agree with you there. I don't have much to add in terms of TV deals, but I'll say this. It's great for the game. Any exposure at a national level... For our sport, and I'm not one of those please like my sport guys, but any exposure at the national level, whether it's through Turner or ESPN, is fantastic for the game of hockey. And I'm like everybody else. I'm a fan watching. Excited to see what they have to bring to the table.
0: The news, uh, the dress codes are being relaxed. First, it was the Coyotes. Uh, Toronto is doing something similar now with Matthews. I appreciate the the league is going to be able to go to a more relaxed dress code, and on that same note, the guys going to be less robotic in interviews. Ideally, you know, everybody knows the cliches: get the puck deep, you know, get parts on net, et cetera. It's a joke at this point. You know, you know what, exactly what you're going to get. It's it's every analogy in the book, every cliche in the book. I think with a, a with a more relaxed, less robotic culture, especially as these young guys come up, makes for a better product, on and off the ice as guys exhibit more of their personality.
1: I would agree. I think everybody would agree with you, except for Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> he actually phenomenal. He did say that on the MSG pregame uh, show the other night. I was watching him and Valaket. First of all, it's awesome that Henrik Lundqvist is doing TV. That guy really doesn't need to do TV right off the bat. That's usually something that these retired guys do a couple of years into their retired life. But is it not evident that that guy is a gamer and he loves the sport and he wishes he was back out there so he needed to be involved one way or another? And he actually mentioned on the post uh, on the pregame show how he does not necessarily agree with the relaxed dress codes. He wants guys to be on the cover of GQ like himself, and I think it's a great thing for the game, though. I think for years and years and years we've bitched that the NHL players don't get the exposure that some of the guys in the MLB, NBA, or the NFL get. So the fact that the NHL is loosening the screws a little bit and allowing these players to be themselves... Is exciting and it's only going to trickle down to us the consumers of this content
0: totally agree totally agree looking forward to it lastly uh robin Leonard has been pretty vocal whether it's on social media or otherwise about uh among other things medication in the nhl and the way it's been uh, prescribed perhaps or um the way painkillers and benzos etc have been distributed there's been a change at the cba going back a couple of years that it's it's Taking a more um, regulated role, I guess is the way I'm gonna put it. But I want to give a shout out to Robin Letter for, for speaking his mind. I wanna give a shout out to the players who take those kind of products and, and medications and prescriptions, um, who need it, who should not be vilified for their use of it, who use it responsibly. And I think going forward, there's going to be a lot of uh, scrutiny involving medications, painkillers, benzos, et You know, You see what happens with guys in the league, out of the league. Um, but I, I just want to give Robin Letter props for, for speaking out on it. I hope it's a problem in the NHL that is solved sooner than later because I know they can be addictive, they can be deadly, and I want the, the league and the players to come to a resolution that benefits everybody on that. So I think we're on our way, hopefully.
1: I would agree with that, and it's a very sensitive topic, and and this is for a longer discussion. I don't think a short period of time would do it much credence, but I will say this. I say support these players. Support guys like Robin Leonard. Support and honor the ones that we've lost to this, and think about what they go through, and especially guys that are not the superstars of the league that try to do whatever they can to get back out there and to collect their next paycheck and sign somewhere else as a free agent and hop team to team, and they need to do whatever it takes to be able to fulfill that dream of playing the NHL. So when you think about that, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective, and that's when I say champion guys like Robin Leonard who are speaking out, who are bringing light to the situation. So players like himself or anybody else down the line that has ever suffered or will suffer, don't feel like they're being unheard, don't feel like they can't get help because they can. And I think that's huge for the league. And like you said, I hope the league takes a long and hard look in the mirror at this and hopefully they get it right. I have, I am more hopeful than many others would be right now that the league is truly listening to what's going on because they don't want this either. I do believe that there's, there's kind hearts over in the NHL office and, and we don't want to lose any more to this.
0: Amen. Amen. That's going to do it for the first episode of cold stove, a hockey podcast presented by washed media. NRD, you have a good time today? I think that was a. Uh, I think we had some fun.
1: I think that was great. I can't wait to do it. We're going to be back every week. Stick with us. Like I said, we're in it for the long haul. This is not one flash yes, in the sir. pan podcast. This isn't, <laughs> trade melt live was great. Free agency live was great. This isn't a one off. This is cold stove presented by Wash. We're killing it for you week in, week out. We're going to be here. NRD bombs are dropping. OMB, the man formerly known as OMB on the ones and twos. The Marrick to my Friedman. Let's go, baby. I'm excited
0: let's do it let's do it so uh, thank you for sticking with us through this whole thing now we need your help hop over to iTunes hop over to uh, Spotify wherever you get your podcasts need you to subscribe or follow whatever you do to get our, uh, our podcast in your ears every single week give us a rating that's how we get up on the charts with the uh, you know 32 thoughts and, and spitting chicklets of the world I like being up there with them give us a review tell a friend about the podcast who might need some more hockey in their life We'll be uh, coming at you every week. Follow Cold Stove Pod at Cold Stove Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and we will uh, we'll see you next week.